we got the alternative energy free autonomy and welcome to the radioactive show produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the community radio network hello and welcome to the radioactive show i'm ka part of this week's rad show has been recorded on the unceded lands of the wadjuk noongar or better known as perth Last week on the Rad Show, we heard from the Peace Boat in Adelaide and the stories shared at the Making Waves Forum from nuclear survivors from Nagasaki and Maralinga. Today, we will continue to share these stories from the Adelaide Forum from Fukushima dairy farmer Kenichi Hasegawa touring on the Peace Boat that was recently in Fremantle and has since travelled to Adelaide, Melbourne, Hobart and Sydney, sharing his powerful and devastating ter- testimony of what Australian uranium can and will do to communities, environment and countries overseas. We'll hear from Curtis Taylor, a young Maru leader, filmmaker and screen artist from Kintyre, who shared his story with the Peace Boat about the proposed uranium mine at Kintyre that is a joint venture with Canadian company Cameco and Japanese company Mitsubishi Development. And from Curtis's dad, Desmond Taylor, a Maru man from Kintyre, about why they don't want a uranium mine on their country. Let's now hear from Kenichi Hasegawa, a Fukushima dairy farmer whose land, farm and community and life has been devastated by the 2011 Australian uranium fueled Fukushima nuclear disaster. Thanks to Mara, another presenter on the Radioactive Show, and to the organisers of the Adelaide Making Ways Forum for this recording. So good evening everybody. I am here from Itate village in Fukushima, which is one of the areas which was affected by the nuclear power plant accident which happened in Japan seven years ago. Our home is now completely covered with these containers which contain radioactive contaminated waste, soil and so on, which has been taken up as part of the process following the disaster. These are all throughout our whole village. So seven years ago I was living together with my family of eight people in our village. We had 50 dairy cows on our farm there and we're living happily together. However, now as a result of this nuclear accident, we have all been divided and separated. We are still living in temporary housing facilities now, seven years later. All of my children have had to move and build houses or build their lives again in different places. We've all been completely divided by this. Um, So our village had absolutely nothing to do with the nuclear power plant itself. However, as a result of this sudden disaster which hit, the radiation from the plant headed straight for our village. And at the time, neither the local prefectural government or the national government of Japan gave us any kind of warning, any kind of information about what was going on. So we stayed in our village and we were continually exposed to radiation throughout this whole time. It was only one month later when we received the orders from the Japanese government to evacuate uh, from our village. So until then, we continued to stay there and be exposed to this. So as I said, I was a dairy farmer. We had 50 cows on our farm. However, throughout that time, I of course continued to milk the cows every day, but only to have to throw this milk away from there. Um, Later, the government gave us orders that we had to cull these cows This is what really happened seven years ago in this nuclear disaster in Japan. And so at that time, uh, in order to show in Japan that, well, this nuclear disaster, it wasn't really something so big, it wasn't such a massive disaster, the government said that they would start to conduct decontamination efforts in the area. 
However, it had been believed and said by the government that a nuclear power plant disaster could never happen in Japan. Therefore, they were so confident about this that there was no research, there was no practice, there was no plan in place for what to do in the case that a disaster really did happen. Therefore, what we saw when this actually did happen is people going up onto the roofs of houses with paper towels and wiping down the roof tiles and saying that this was a way to decontaminate the radiation. What they're using, doing is using brooms to wipe down the top layers of the grass or topsoil, which is there by the roads, putting this into the black plastic bags and then uh, storing them in this way. They say that this is the way to remove the radiation. However, when you go into the areas with a Geiger counter, the, the measurements just go way up. There is no way to remove this decontamination or this radiation in such a way. Of course, radiation can't just be removed in this way. It is impossible. So what is happening now is these black plastic bags full of this radioactive soil is just piling up, mountaining up everywhere throughout the area. There is a huge number of these bags just piled up everywhere throughout our village. We received a small amount of compensation from the national government after this. However, what we have done, we have stood up to raise our voices, to talk about what happened to us, and to look towards the cause of our suffering, that is the Tokyo Electric Power Company, or TEPCO, and call on them to provide compensation for what, uh, what happened. It's now been four years since we launched this movement to stand up and call for compensation. However, recently we received a comment or the words from TEPCO which were extremely uh, unfortunate and very uh, well difficult for us. They told us the reason you were exposed to this radiation is because Itate village was not evacuated. The fact that you stayed there, it's your own responsibility, it's your own fault. We are of course filled with rage about this situation. And now the situation in our village, when we look at it, you can see after the evacuation, there is nobody living there anymore. The village has been completely overcome. It's now turned back to a wild kingdom almost. These are wild boars which are now roaming around the village. However, the Japanese government at the end of March last year lifted the evacuation order for our village and was encouraging people to move back. Of course, most people have chosen not to. Around 8% of people have moved back to Itate village. However, of course, the mountains, the farms, the hills in the area are all extremely contaminated still. These mushrooms which are growing wild there, which used to be delicious, which we used to eat, they actually have tens of thousands of becquerels of radioactivity. Such a radioactively contaminated place, I don't believe, well, our children, our grandchildren, they cannot return to such a place and they should not return, I strongly believe. However, this village, this is my home, this is where I am from. So personally, I do plan to return to my village one day. However, what the national government of Japan is now doing is encouraging people, trying to bring people back to return to this village. Of course, people don't want to do this, but the government is still trying to encourage people to return back to Itate. What they are also doing now in order to move this forward more is actually reducing the line, which is thought to be the safe, line for, safe threshold for radioactivity according to the Japanese standards. So they are lowering this in a way to bring people back. Places like Itate, like our village, are now disappearing. They are just completely going away. Until this nuclear disaster happened to us, until I experienced this directly, I didn't understand the true terror of the nuclear uh, weapons and power, the entire nuclear chain. However, experiencing this disaster showed me directly the real terror of nuclear. 
And the fact that Japan has experienced this, has gone through this, and it's still not joining the global push now for the nuclear ban treaty is something which I am just so angry about. I cannot believe this. So I hope that we can join all of our voices together to connect around the world and work together to make this happen. That was the translation from Kenichi Hasegawa, the Fukushima dairy farmer, speaking out at the recent Making Waves Forum in Adelaide. You're listening to The Radioactive Show. I'm K.A. And this show is broadcasted nationally on the Community Radio Network. Next up, you'll hear from Curtis Taylor, who spoke recently at the Peace Boat meeting to share his story with the people from Japan. It's Curtis Taylor. My family's country is the Golomili region, or Golomili River. And, uh, yeah, been fortunate enough to be with my old people and work with them fighting against this uh, project, the Kintyre project, and um, learning more about uh, uranium and, and what the people want. It was the project started um, in the early '80s, so before you know I was born, and uh, so I grew up knowing about that place, and uh, we used to travel there, and still do travel through that country uh, on hunting trips or country trips. Uh, and in between communities, and uh, yeah, so a lot of people, a lot of older Madu people from the region, still have uh, vivid memories when they were fighting uh, against the, the miners, and um, also, yeah, talking. Um, about their country, about why they came out of Jikolong. And that was the main reason why, because a lot of uh, people were absent from their country and were in the mission at Jikolong and learned that there were exploration happening. Uh, this was before... Um, you know, uh, native paddle or land rights, but people really wanted to be back home close to their birthplace and to reclaim that place, and that's how these Maru communities started because of uh, the danger of, yeah, their country being ruined. Mm. So that area around Kintai is made out of a rocky country, hills, Ghost gum, snappy gum, mm. spinifex, and Kalamani River runs right through the heart of it. Really deep, permanent water holes that a lot of Madu have knowledge of underground water moving through that country and surface water that might be there for a little while mm. in season but also permanent ones that are always there and the animals 
around that country to push Turkey, keep her out. Pakoljara, flat footed wallaby, Gagaradul, the uh, blind marsupial mole. Yeah, those are the animals belong to that place, mm. that area. You're listening to Curtis Taylor, a Maru man from Kintai, talking about what it means to him and his people to stop uranium mining on their land. I asked uh, Curtis to talk about the beautiful uh, Kalu painting that's been created by senior Maru artists in Pangor. Yeah, well, that, um, that Kalu painting talks about, yeah, the water, surface water, um, how long it stays onto the surface and permanent water holes that are deep, um, that go deep underground and also how the flow of subterranean water move under the country from dry, really dry places underground to um, rivers underground, how water flows. So it talks about, yeah, Kalyu and uh, also the vegetation and rejuvenation after waru, after fire on on the landscape itself and how the animals uh, feed off that and the people feed off that and all intertwined together as yeah one so that's Kalyu and that's how I interpret it anyway from my old people mm. and yeah a lot of people still have the knowledge that we're really I think it's special to have you know, these people that are still alive that can talk about or still remember or, you know, have knowledge of um, uh, these forces um, mm. and, in this case, water. Mm. So with a, a uranium mine up in Kintai, that would have a huge effect on on the, on not just the people and, and the health of people but, but on the land as well. Yeah, definitely. Like... Um, the number one, you know, the dangers that people have from the region about the wind, the dust, uh, the water, and if it's restricted or blocked off or siphoned out, won't flow the same way as it has before, and uh, and the effects about animals being contaminated, maybe through the waste, if they feed off tailings or you know, go into the tailings dam. If there was a project there and people eating it, eating those uh, animals, uh, because that's their game, that's their bushtaka, you know, mm. bush meat. Mm. So, and also, you know, with the landscape, I think, you know, a lot of mud still burn their country. Mm. So if there was projects like this in the region, then it'll affect, I guess, the burning patterns that people still use today to hunt and to look after their country, make sure it's healthy. So mm. that place might, yeah, be overgrown, which, you know, a lot of people classify as that country is unhealthy and uh, needs to be looked after if it's overgrown. Mm. And these are the um, restrictions that, you know, these projects have on the people and the landscape itself. Mm. And I guess one of the other restrictions is that it was excised from the native title. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was, it was within the national park, Kalamini National Park or Rudal River National Park, way back then, mm. and uh, so it was excised out of that, and so it's not 
doesn't sit within the national park or the native title, Madu native title claim. So, but a lot of people really want to fight hard in getting that Palamini national park back, uh, whether it's within the native title or whether it's something that can be managed together. Yeah, it'll affect all those things. People coming through, uh, people hunting the water, the animals, yeah. And you had an opportunity to speak with the um, the Fukushima uh, farmers that were that have been affected by the the 2011 nuclear power plant disaster. Can you um, just share with us a little bit about that experience, seeing that Kintyre is um, joint uh, venture with the Canadian company Kamiko as well as the Mitsubishi, the Japanese company Mitsubishi. Yeah, it was um, it was great to meet the peace boat when they came into Fremantle and hear the stories of the survivors uh, from all those different events, you know, in the Japan's history, um, from Fukushima to Hiroshima. Um, yeah, it was something special. It was, uh, I think, you know, for them coming here, I think it's kind of the start for them, for the, you know, for the, in the chain of the nuclear cycle. So this is where all the raw mineral materials come from, you know. And they devastating effects, you know, in in their country. And um, I think a lot of indigenous people in in Australia feel there's a big burden, you know, because it's their mura that's been ripped up and shipped off and um, affected... uh, the lives, livelihood of other people in uh, yeah very devastating ways that you know it's not um, yeah it takes sort of many thousands of years to um, to heal um, to get better for their country and for their children you know mm. um, so yeah it was it was it was an honor to meet them and I think for um, for us to share our stories together, um, yeah, it was, it was a great, great um, weekend when, when they were here. And um, this year, the Western Australian Nuclear Free Alliance is um, doing its uh, Rad Tour, their first ever Rad Tour in Western Australia, finishing in Kintyre, um, and we're holding um, they're holding a WAMP for meeting up at uh, Kintyre, hopefully. Um, with that being organised, do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, it'll be um, it'll be good uh, for uh, Madhu people of the region to meet other Indigenous mob and other supporters and friends that have been active in that area for a long time, and yeah, for them to know that you know there is support and um, there is uh, this movement there. Yeah out there, you know, that mm. if they have any troubles, you know, in their country, that they can definitely go and, um, yeah, seek support and, yeah, start something, you know, for themselves in their country. Um, but, yeah, it'll be really, really great to have that meeting on the country mm. and for all other 
yeah, like all the people who've been really active in the movement there, present and talking up really strong about uranium and leaving it in the ground, you know, all these other messages and experience that they will bring along uh, from the start of the red to, to the end. And um, yeah, so this, uh, I guess in some ways, is the beginning, but it'll still continue ongoing and, you know, my wish it'll strengthen strength the people uh, to fight more and to learn about whatever it is they want to know about uranium or so that, you know, they can make their own informed decisions mm. about this. Mm. Yeah. I think um, the wish of the old people uh, when they learned about this mineral, uranium, you know, the effects, you know, that they said, um, I'll, the Pilbara has gone already to iron ore and other minerals. We can't do anything about that. But with our uranium, it's different, so we want to stop it. And, yeah, that's my feeling. And that was Curtis Taylor talking about his experience from the Peace Boat visit and also on the up-and-coming Aboriginal-led Western Australian Nuclear Free Alliance meeting that will be held on his in his country in Kintar in March this year after the radioactive exposure tour. And you can get more information about this at walkingforcountry slash radtour. The track I'm about to play is a song written and produced by Libby Carmody from Jumapuka, the Aboriginal radio station in Kalgoorlie, and sung by Wongatha, Pastor Jeff and the Brown Hessian Dolls, Backs to the Blast. Don't turn your 
And you were listening to the track by produced by Libby Carmody from Jumapulka, Aboriginal radio station in Kalgoorlie, sung by Wongatha pastor Geoffrey Stokes and the Brown Hessian Dolls, Backs to the Blast. Desmond Taylor is a Māori man from the Warnman language group in the East Pilbara. Desmond works as a translator, educator and artist. Desmond and his family have been outspoken in trying to stop the proposed Kintai uranium mine from going ahead. My name is Desmond Taylor. I'm from Kalamili, Rudal River National Park. My country is Kalamili. Now it's known as Kalamili National Park, formerly Rudal River National Park. And I have a special spiritual connection to Kintai. Before my mother gave me birth, my mother and her family were collecting Yagulagada. It's a sugary sub- substance that grows on acacia plant. They were harvesting that, and that is my conception totem. Mm. And so that area that is joint venture with Cameco and Mitsubishi, they propose to put a uranium mine in that area. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I feel concerned and worried about what might happen if mining go ahead. And it's going to change the landscape of that place where people have lived and walked and hunted. And we don't know what affects the animals and the plants going to have and the water that people drink. People are worried about the underground water. If uranium, when they mine uranium, how it's going to affect the water. Mm. Mm. Whether it's going to be drinkable or it's or the mining's going to have a big devastation on the land itself. Mm. Mm. The connection to that land through my birth, it's going to change. The change of the landscape, the stories of that place, the song lines will be still there, but it won't, it won't never be the same mm. about how the people, men and women, would sing of their country. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a beautiful country, very remote, but we just, hopefully that chemical Mitsubishi would never go ahead and mine Kintyre. Yeah, I just want to say that um, we need more supporters to support us to keep the uranium in the ground in Australia and also out of Australia. Mm. In other places where they are creating difficulties to other people throughout the world. 
That was Desmond Taylor, a Māru man from Kintai, sharing his story about not wanting uranium mine on his country. And that's all for the Radioactive Show this week. Thank you so much to Hasegawa Kenichi for sharing his story on the recent tour of the Peace Boat in Australia. Thanks to Marish for sharing these recordings used on this show from the Adelaide Making Waves Forum. Thank you to Curtis and Desmond Taylor, the Māru men sharing their powerful stories about Kintai and why they don't want uranium mine on their land. And to Juma Pulka, the Aboriginal radio station in Kalgoorlie, for giving me permission to play Backs to the Blast. Pastor Jeff and the Brown Hessian Dolls. And for more information or to support the Maru campaign against Kintai, go to nuclearfree.wordpress.com slash art slash to purchase the beautiful Kalu print that Curtis mentioned. For more information on the up-and-coming WA radioactive exposure tour, go to www.walkingforcountry forward slash rad tour. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. This radioactive show was produced on both Wajak Noongar and Ghana land with 3CR Melbourne with the support of the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues.